Being the Worst, Episode 6, recorded live, Friday, September 7th, 2012. From beingtheworst.com, it's the Being the Worst podcast. Audio apprenticeships for the aspiring software craftsmen. With your hosts, Carrie Street and Renata Doolin. In this episode, Carrie and Renat discuss community questions about naming messages, aggregate state, and event implementation. And now, here are Carrie and Renat. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Being the Worst podcast. This is Carrie. I'm here with Renat, who is in Paris. Hey Renat. Hey Carrie, good day for the day to you. Yes, thank you. Same to you. So we've gotten a lot of feedback. We're really excited about the community that's forming around the podcast and the feedback we've been getting. And some of the, that feedback has sort of confirmed what Renat initially assumed would be true, and that is a little bit shorter episodes, over 25, 35 minutes. It's a little much to absorb, so we're going to try to stick to that. And also some really good community feedback in the comments on beingtheworst.com, as well as on GitHub as to occasionally recapping what we've covered so far and answer some of the questions about those things. So, Renat, we got some really good feedback. Why don't you uh, get into some of that and let us know what we're going to talk about today. Okay. Uh, first of all, before getting into the actual detail, I want to say kudos to Kerry, who is actually hosting this uh, podcast after uh, being really sick. So uh, this just uh, shows up that we're He's really excited about pushing this uh, podcast forward, as I'm pretty much excited about learning the stuff as we're laying out the samples and theory. And so far, it's like it's fifth or sixth episode, depending on how if you count the zero. And the journey so far seems to be really fun, really exciting. And the awesome community that was forming up in the Twitter and the, in the comments, not only there, your folks are really encouraging, but you have a really nice sense of humor. At least we were harassed about our, at least my junk words quite a lot of times. So hopefully we will not use these junk words like basically or in essence too many times this, during this episode. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there were ums and you knows and uh, we know, we get it. And also I think someone was joking around the one of the episodes, the wrestling intro, and I'm like, yeah, whatever the voice comes out, that's what the intro is going to be. I'm copying .NET Rocks and Hansel Minutes and uh, the Tablet Show and other shows I really listen to a lot. So, oh, well, that's the way it's coming out. <laughs> well, whenever I hear that uh, wrestling intro, it gives me giggles. Yeah, good. Well, I, I laugh at it too. I think it's funny, but... Uh, Whatever. I don't know what else to do. We'll change it someday, maybe. But otherwise, you'll keep getting, and now. But my voice doesn't work today. So go ahead, Renat. It sounds fun. <laughs> okay. So, so far, we're covering the basics of the mess, uh, like from the messaging to the aggregates. Uh, and this stuff is part of the road that we're going to get to the application services, which host behavior logic, which host core business functionality expressed as behaviors and which actually capture domain models. And the idea here is that we're starting this from the very basics, but not only we're talking about the core principles of programming, but we're also getting gentle introduction into the principles of domain-driven design. So, uh, and as it was expected, a lot of questions that people were getting were actually not about how events sourcing works, or not how commands or messages are serialized, because this is something that can be perceived or grasped from the source code that we're publishing. But people were interested and in having questions about how to name the commands, how to approach a certain 
structural problem or how Okay, some people were uh, having really complex and advanced questions about how to implement uh, atomic event sourcing or how to uh, structure a topology. So we have two categories of questions. Some of the questions that match current progress of the episodes of the podcast, and we'll try to address them within this episode or within third episodes. Some of the more advanced topics, I will either address like in my blog or we'll, we'll be just putting them uh, on the backlog in the Trello board so we'll be able to come back to them later when uh, they will not go that far from the general discussion. Yep. Okay, and so uh, initially when we were starting, uh, we had one repository, or, which is samples in C-sharp, and then uh, Kerry forked this repository and in his own fork, uh, he keeps the homework. And at least a few more people were actually uh, like doing something like this. And one of the guys, he apparently he's from Norway, uh, Jay Tinbergen, and he took the effort and he actually expressed his uh, questions about the podcast and about the material we covered so far in the code. This repository and project will be referenced in our, on our podcast. Uh, one thing I want to say, it's a really awesome and clear way to present the questions. Yeah, that was that was great. We, we he actually had sent me a message on Twitter, and I wasn't clear on his question at first. And I I was asking a few clarifying questions, and thirty minutes later, he sent me a link back and said, "Here's my questions on GitHub," which was which was awesome. It was easy to share, and now it's going to be easy to talk about. So appreciate that. Thank you very much. So we're handling the project called Event Questions One. Hopefully, there will be projects Event Question Two through Event Questions One Hundred Twenty Five. <laughs> So the first question is uh, about the constructor of an aggregate. And the question is, do we set initial state here or generate uh, events to set state? So uh, when we are creating new aggregate, or more specifically, when we're creating a new instance of the aggregate state, we don't uh, generate any events there. We can, uh, in this, in the constructor, all we can do is initialize the, uh, some collections uh, initialize some variables to undefined state or, for example, if you have some enumeration which uh, represents, for example, a state of the project and you, were talk- you have an aggregate called project. And uh, this state can be active, deleted, uh, running, cancelled. First of all, it's really good practice to have uh, on enumeration a default value called undefined or none. Uh, this default value will never be used actually in your code, but if you accidentally manage to initialize a variable without setting the default value, then you'll be able to catch it immediately. So uh, if uh, you have a project with a state and you're uh, in your constructor of this uh, project aggregate state, one thing that you'll be doing, for example, is initializing variable to the undefined. You'll be creating the uh, new collections, new dictionaries, new hash tables, or whatever is needed to reflect the internal state of an aggregate, which will be used by the behavioral logic. So the uh, direct and short answer, uh, no, you don't generate any events within the aggregate state constructor. Makes sense. However, uh, when you, ha- uh, like as we go further, and I think maybe we already had this uh, in episode five, or uh, we'll definitely have in it in six, six, six episodes, uh, we will not have an empty aggregate state constructor. We'll have an aggregate state constructor which takes an innumerable of events. 
so this constructor will be composed of two parts. First, we do the uh, like empty initial uh, initialization of all the variables, and then the second part of the constructor will actually do something like this: for each event in past events, uh, mutate this state. So what this does, it first step initializes the empty aggregate state, and then it updates this aggregate state to the version of the event stream that is passed into this constructor. So uh, if you pass an empty array of events or empty enumerable of events into this constructor, you'll have an empty aggregate state. However, uh, usually when you're loading aggregate states from the event store, you have some event stream history. So if you take that event stream and pass it to the constructor, you'll have the aggregate state rehydrated to the latest event. Okay, uh, then the next question is, it's uh, really essential and really important. He has a, an event called customer name has changed. Actually, change, yeah, change customer name, which is similar to my right. homework problem where I had change basket quantity or order quantity as well, using the word change, very crud-like. Crud yes, and so the question is, these events have changed in their name. Is this right? So, uh, by default, in majority of the cases, if you have change, create, delete, modify in your ubiquitous language, in your domain language, then it is a smell. It is an indication that you're thinking like a programmer. Uh, our task when we're actually defining this domain model is not to think like a programmer. Uh, our task is to capture real world. And in, uh, in the real world, with real people, with uh, all the communication, with all the history, there are no computers. There is no uh, CRUD statements. It's just some legacy that we have because of the relational databases and because we, we're so used to design our systems uh, around the data storage. We're so used to think about tables, about inserting records, about updating records, about deleting records. In fact... This comes from the very beginning, probably like when any of you were starting to go for the development journey. One of the first tasks and uh, samples a developer gets is, let's create a quick and simple uh, contact list. And we'll start by creating a table named contact. And then from there it goes, we add a button which will insert a record, we will add a button which will delete a record. Sorry, in the real world, you don't add a contact. Maybe you meet a person. Maybe you learn a person's name. Maybe you correct the improperly entered name or you do something else. The, the idea is when you have changed, when you have deleted, when you have added or created, then uh, usually it's a hint that you're thinking uh, in the spirit, the way uh, relational databases are designed. So the idea is to try to have a first iteration about uh, the proper names and then try to use them in language. Uh, try to use them in sentences. Try to write text about this stuff. Try to write text that is uh, later on will be uh, your specification. Or try to write a text that is just a short representation of your domain model. And as you're writing it, you, can all, you will first see that some uh, names fit or not fit. Because you'll be using names of the commands and events as uh, syntactical elements with this language. Then try to maybe to talk to other people. Try to explain them. Try to hear what they think. Uh, try to maybe to explain this story to somebody who is not familiar with the computers. 
if the language, if the terminology, if the sentences, they feel right, then uh, you are getting on the right track. If the people don't understand, if they don't immediately grasp what you're talking about, then it is an indication of some inherent problem. And these exercises, they might seem silly. However, this is just an exact replica of what happens in uh, companies when you're challenging and dealing with some domain. So uh, the short answer uh, about the change, it is if you have such cruddy elements in, your, in the names of your commands, events, then it is usually a smell that you're thinking uh, too much like a programmer who is designing his relational da- uh, database. And, and Rina, I, I understand that, and I totally agree with it, but, but I think where I struggled a little bit with my example of the change basket quantity, and in his example, my understanding of the way of the, the sample code that he posted here was he has a domain, basically he's talking about software licensing, it seems. And my understanding from reading your blog and other places was that ideally, the one of the disadvantages of the CRUD type changes is you have your data changing and you don't really necessarily know why it changed. You just know that yes. you know something changed, but we don't know why. And we're trying to capture why that change occurred. And in his example here, he has a couple of good questions because I also struggle a little bit on how I would model this uh, in the event. So he set up a scenario here where he's writing some code where a customer calls up and they've decided to change the number of licenses they have for some software. And in one case... Uh, maybe they want to change the number of purchase licenses because they fired someone and they don't have that employee anymore, he wrote in his comments. And the other one, he said, maybe the the reason that it changed was we don't know. It's an unknown reason. They just they called and said, we only want five licenses instead of 10. How would you give us some examples on how you would model that type of change event where you kind of know why they called and changed and sometimes maybe you don't know? Okay, the first thing here is that we're not trying to model customer's business. We're just trying to model our own domain and capture the amount of details that is essential for our business to operate. So uh, we're trying to be bounded within uh, our own bounded context. Mm -hmm. So when customer calls and they want to increase or decrease change, uh, when they want to change the number of seats, there are multiple reasons on their side. However, only part of these reasons, uh, they matter. So, uh, for, for example, if customer has uh, maybe fired somebody uh, from the work or when they hired new people and they want to expand, for them, it might make sense. However, in our domain, the actual cause of the change, it could be upgrade license or a downgrade license or just buy additional user seats or unsubscribe from additional user seats for the, from, for the next period. So while modeling the domain, we need, uh, there are like no hard rules, and we need to try to get the soft balance. Uh, and the extremes on the scale are on the one side getting too cruddy, getting like uh, simplifying everything to create, update, change, delete. Mm-hmm. Or on the other side, we're getting too verbose and we're trying to model every world, uh, every uh, aspect of the world, every nuance and maybe what was the time of the day and uh, phase of the moon when customer was actually inquiring the change. Because you never know. Maybe like uh, in 10,000 years from now 
the, some of the descendants of this business will be switching to their zodiac and horoscopes, and they might be interested in that aspect. <laughs> so that's really far extreme. So it's something that will come only after uh, practicing, after capturing a few domains. However, we need to set the balance. And only the domain expert, the person who is uh, building the system, will be actually be able to say that some aspects of the real-world behavior, they make sense. Some aspects of the real-world behavior, they don't make sense for our specific solution, for our specific case. So uh, my wild guess, which can, can actually be uh, really wrong, mm -hmm. is that uh, in this case, we're building software that manages licenses. And in this case, change, seed count for license changed is uh, too non-detailed. How they're trying to capture uh, their reason why customer changes the number of licenses is too detailed. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways, one of the tricks that I found uh, that helped to uh, capture the uh, events and intent and commands at the right level of granularity is just read books or read articles or read feature descriptions from some other companies. In this case, like when you're reading some other text, uh, they're not doing the domain model, but they're actually focusing on the things that are important. And if in your code you're using similar words and you're focusing on the same things, uh, well, provided that uh, the domains are similar, then already you're getting in a uh, better head start as opposed uh, to the situation where you're trying to start everything from scratch. For example, when I was building a billing system and account management system with uh, support for multiple currencies for uh, look at subscription management, like, uh, I was, I had several attempts from tr uh, trying to get that from the scratch, trying to get the names out of my head. It didn't work. So I just uh, went back to my economical education and spent time reading uh, articles about and Wikipedia pages uh, about accounting, about how credits and charges work, about how uh, invoices are uh, accounted, and which actually, what is the terminology there. The result of that is that my unit tests and actually code they read like a chapter from a book on accounting. A really boring chapter, which is actually good because if somebody else has to deal with that code, they will not need to understand like why am I capturing this part of an intent or why am I uh, doing like balance increased or decreased. No. If they pick up the book, if they are the domain expert and they're working this domain, the entire code will read like an article. So uh, while modeling the domain, you don't usually need even to invent new concepts or invent uh, the try to randomly pick level of granularity. All you need is to listen, to read, to watch around, and just to capture the existing level of granularity and the existing names which are already available and evident in that domain. So could we really quick, because I think this is hard and I can sense someone mm -hmm. saying, well, I still don't know what to do. Like, can we, let's make up a, really one example for this to replace change number of seats. What would we, let's, let's make up the perfect answer from a domain expert that cares about software licensing at this company and what they might say in English and how you might change the name of that method to deal with it. So I'd say the names would be uh, upgrade license count upgrade user count for a license and uh, remove additional users from the license. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
and the parameters of this uh, method, uh, parameters of this method call, if it's command method call, or if it's like a command message, uh, the parameters would be a type of a license maybe, and also, oh, actually even better, purchase additional users, or uh, add additional users at a discount price. Change, it can be both positive and negative, that's ambiguous. Mm -hmm. The quick uh, parallel is with accounting. You don't have their uh, balance changed. You have uh, account credited, account uh, in, uh, like balance increased because of the incoming payment, uh, account charged, etc., etc. Right. And not even account charged. For example, uh, in our case, I have uh, account charged for the consumption in the past period, or uh, account charged for the subscription, or, uh, or account. Uh, we don't have like account uh, balance increased. We have account increased because of the payment and also uh, account in, uh, balance increased because of the cancelled charge, something like this. Mm -hmm. And these kind of things that really help, uh, re uh, for example, down the road when you need to reverse engineer some past changes or when you need to build really detailed reports, for example, about what were, how many charge cancellations did we have during the last month. In this case, if you have the events which capture the past state transitions with the right level of granularity, you will not even need to reverse engineer any state differences. You just have to uh, define a projection. Bottom line, it's going to boil down to what you said earlier about go reread how the business speaks about whatever you're trying to model, see if those sentences make sense to them and you, if you're using a common language, and over time you'll learn how to shape the, that balance of too far too far left to the crud side versus too far right to the wordy side or something like that. Yes, and so it's not code first, it's language first, it's uh, domain first. Got it. Okay, and just to finish... Uh, this event questions. Another question is it's about a state changing method within the aggregate state and the question is should we guard against applying events with the wrong aggregate uh, identity here? So no. When you have an event handling method uh, within an aggregate state you can't have any uh, exceptions, you can't have any complex logic there. You can't throw anything because this method calls, they just uh, update uh, the aggregate state to reflect the changes that were in events. Events, as we've learned, they're always expressed in the past tense. Uh, they're always told about something that happened, and you can't say no to something that has already happened. It's past. Unless you invent a time machine and face a uh, time paradox with multiple and parallel universes, you can't do that. So the protection of that, because we're talking about his in his sample line 96 where it says when seat count for license changed, right? Yes. And then he says inside of there, should we guard against applying events with the wrong aggregate identity? So that would mean the, the wrong type of aggregate or the wrong something about the aggregate got its way into the event. You would, you would try to catch that stuff before you allowed the event to happen in the first place, right? Absolutely. Okay. So uh, in the behavioral logic within the method that makes the decision and generates the events. Uh, it is advised to put as many uh, guards and protections uh, as possible as long as it makes sense. You can even put some additional guards about potentially impossible scenarios just in case. Because if something happens, 
uh, and it is like the, the guard was too tight and you uh, failed on the really valid scenario, then you will have the exception in your uh, some someplace in your quarantine, and then you'll be able to fix the error, and then you'll be able to re- re- run the command. However, if there was an event that had already uh, been persisted to the event store, then cleaning up that mess would be more complicated. At least because you might have a distributed system where events are replicated to a dozen servers around the globe. Imagine chasing these uh, faulty events back uh, around the globe and correcting them everywhere. Mm-hmm. So no. Uh, so you do protect against faulty events, but when something happens, when a bad event uh, goes through, you never like throw exception on them. At uh, most, you can compensate. Got it. Makes sense. Okay. And the next question is about actual uh, event implementation. And the question is, uh, should events have a constructor to make setting its properties mandatory and thus valid? Yes. Like in uh, when I'm coding, I prefer to have uh, events Im- uh, implemented as immutable classes, which have uh, read-only properties or read-only fields, and where these fields can be modified only by setting the constructor. However, uh, this doesn't uh, guarantee that events and this applies uh, to comments as well, uh, that events, that event validity is checked in the constructor. It's not responsibility of event contract to check its validity. If you're putting a validation code in this constructor, then it means that you're actually spreading your, uh, that you're mixing a lot of things and that you're mixing a lot of concerns. So our commands and command, command contracts and events along with the event contracts they are vocabulary, they are words. And they should serve only one purpose, to transfer uh, this knowledge, to transfer this data, uh, either via the level layers of like execution engine, or via the network stack, or via the cloud, or via the persistent storage. Putting validation there is uh, going to complicate your system. Got it. So once something has happened, you can't really cancel it. Okay, having that said, I guess we've covered pretty much uh, of this sample. If there are uh, any additional questions that uh, are there or on this specific case, please don't hesitate to post them in the comments and we're definitely reading them and we'll be trying to answer them. Yes, thank you very much again for posting that code and the feedback. Keep it coming. And I think that'll do it. We will see you guys next time. We're on beingtheworst.com, at beingtheworst on Twitter. And until next time, take it easy. See you or not. See ya. Bye-bye.